Hello, and welcome to the Sar Direct Marketing Podcast. You're tuned in to part two of our Amazon episode. Our guest this week is Amazon expert James Thompson. Now, I suggest listening to part one first if you haven't done so already. In this episode, James will lay out a roadmap for both established and new brands looking to market themselves on Amazon. James will also cover how gray market sellers affect your bottom line. Stay tuned. I think there's a lot we can learn from all the private label sellers that are jumping on Amazon every day today. So what I'm talking about is, you know, the guy or the gal who says, I'm going to create my private label empire. I'm going to go to Alibaba or I'm going to go to Canton Fair. I'm going to find product and I'm going to create the next best silicon pancake flipper. And I'm going to build an empire around that. I see this all the time. People doing research on Amazon, figuring out what are all the products that uh, appear to be too highly priced but sell very well. And somebody says, I can make my own version of that and I can, I can do well. So these private label sellers understand, many of them understand what it takes to essentially launch a product. So they, they go in, they create a listing, they've got a brand, they get that brand registered. Amazon actually has a program called Brand Registry where you can lock down the content of your brand so nobody else can fiddle with that content. Nobody can hijack your listing. So, you, so you, you're a brand new brand, you've got the listing, you've got the content locked down, you've got good images. Now you go and you spend some money on Amazon through their Amazon-sponsored product program, which is essentially an advertising program that allows you to get sponsored listings at the top of search. So let's say, for example, you are making, and I just used the example of the silicon pancake flipper. Well, if you look on Amazon, you'll see there are literally dozens of practically identical silicon pancake flippers. So if I'm the you know, 115th silicon pancake flipper that's now showing up on Amazon, how do I differentiate myself? I can have the greatest product in the world, but as a brand new product, I'm not going to get a lot of uh, attention on search because I don't have a lot of sales. I don't have any visibility. So how do I buy that visibility? Well, there's a couple of different ways. We talked about sponsored products where you essentially bid on keywords so that the next time a customer comes along and says, pancake flipper, if you've bid enough, your product will show up at the top of search as an ad revealing to the customers who are interested in this class of product. They'll say, oh, here's this new product. Oh, there's a Rick Sassari brand of pancake flipper. I didn't know that. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what this product's all about, but I can see that at least it's now revealed to me and I can click on it as a customer and inspect the product page and see what it's all about. Okay. So that gets you into the game in terms of buying eyeballs on your product. If you've created a really good product listing, then customer conversion should be pretty good. You've got good title, good bullet points, really good images, preferably some lifestyle images as well that show people using the product and you know they're smiling and happy and maybe there's an image there that talks about some of the functional aspects of what makes your product so much better than everybody else's. Yes, you've got a price and it may be higher, the same or lower than everybody else's, but in many ways, all this other content that you create to make the page look really good with good content that helps customers understand the experience they're going to get by buying and consuming your product, that's something that unfortunately is not done by many large brands. And so these smaller brands, these smaller brand owners who come along and invest the time in building really good listings and then doing sponsored products to drive traffic to those listings, they can actually build up a business over time. So that's one approach, using sponsored products combined with a really good product uh, detail page. 
The second way, and, and this is a, there's a whole sub-industry around this, is to invest heavily in what's called product reviews. So you've got a brand new product, no one's ever seen it, but you need product reviews. You need people to rate the product and say, this is an amazing product. It turns out in Amazon's search algorithm, the algorithm they use to surface products when customers search for particular items, that search algorithm in part is driven by how many product reviews a product has. It turns out if a product has no product reviews and it has no traffic because nobody ever actually saw the product, well, it's never going to surface. So you end up in this, in this dead-end situation where you either have to buy traffic or you have to buy product reviews so as to, in either situation, help improve the likelihood that your product's going to show up near the top of search. Keep in mind, you're competing with well-established brands that have been selling on Amazon possibly 20 years. So why is anybody going to be interested in seeing your product when there's well-established products in the same category? So these product review groups, what happens is the, the brand owner will come along and they will say, I've got this $20 pancake flipper. Uh, I'm going to make it available to product reviewers who buy the product and then they write a review. Now, the funny thing here is, on the one hand, you need a certain number of product reviews to help yourself in the search algorithm for Amazon. But you also want to get good reviews. You don't just want five one-star reviews. You want five five-star reviews. So there's, there's this whole series of issues going on right now, and Amazon's filed lawsuits against some of these fake product review groups. But th there are clear terms of service about how to go about getting product reviews and how to do it legitimately. And for those brands that are looking to do things legitimately, you approach one of these product review groups and you make a certain number of units available. The people in the product review group will buy the product at a discount, not free, but at a discount. They will review the product. They will leave that review that now shows up on the site. That, that whole process of actually getting a review accomplishes two important things for you. Number one, it gets you a product review, which helps you in search. But it also gets you a purchase. You now have some type of customer conversion on your product. As you improve your customer conversion, that's another dimension that will also help surface your product higher in search. So if you've got lots of reviews and you've got good customer conversion, Amazon wants to surface those types of products at the top of the list because they're trying to anticipate when a customer types in a particular term, what's the likely product that we can put in front of the customer that will lead to the customer actually buying the, the product. Amazon's not interested in putting a bunch of products that have no reviews and no sales history. That's not the, the first type of product that they want to put in front of a customer. So for brand new brands, they, they build really good website, excuse me, really good product, product landing pages with, with proper descriptions. They invest in sponsored products to drive traffic to their site. They also invest in product reviews to get some initial product reviews, but also to get some initial purchases that drives customer conversion. These are all the types of steps that, that brands can do. Now, to the extent that the brand also has some social media followers, they can choose, if they're so inclined, they can choose to drive their social media followers to the Amazon landing page. Again, trying to drive traffic to the landing page to get people interested in buying the product. You have to be very careful about social media though because if you have too many people visiting your product page and nobody buys, that means your customer conversion is going to drop. So you, you have to find ways to balance that and have solid, loyal followers going to your product page, people who are likely, very likely to buy the product. 
And so one of the things that we've seen, one of the best practices that we've seen for new brands, but also brands that are looking to continue to establish themselves, they will actually use these product review groups as a long-term ongoing marketing expense. Every month, they'll make a certain number of units available so as to help artificially inflate customer conversion for their items. So if traditionally, let's say, 100 people a month visit the product page and five of them buy the product, but you also supplement that with a product review process where you make five more units available, and those, the way the product review groups are set up, those, those visits through the product review groups don't actually count as traffic unless they're purchased. So you've got five visits, sorry, five purchases out of 100 on the site, and another five purchases on five visits through the product review groups, you now have 10 purchases on 105 visits. You've basically doubled your customer conversion that helps you further amplify where you're gonna show up in search on Amazon. So if you keep doing that every month and you say, listen, part of the cost of doing business is continuing to feed product into the product review groups, that's gonna to help to continue to artificially inflate your customer conversion. Assuming, of course, your product is good. If you've got a very poorly developed product and you keep getting one-star reviews, at that point I would say, time out, we need to figure out what's going on here and potentially improve our product, launch a different product, and, and make that product go to pasture. So this is one of, the, this is one of the, the approaches I like to see for new brands that are trying to launch and be successful on Amazon. We've talked about all of this within the context of a brand choosing to be the seller. If they're not gonna be the seller themselves, they don't wanna take that on, then I highly recommend that they go and find a reseller who's got a lot of history on Amazon, has done this for many years, knows how to do all the things we've just talked about, and will take that on in exchange for an exclusive sourcing relationship with the brand. Many resellers are hesitant to take on completely new products because there isn't any sales history and they don't want to be stuck with a pile of stuff that's not going to sell. But you can work through a lot of that kind of stuff in contracts with the brand to say, you know, what's, what's the period by which if I don't sell this, I can return it to you or uh, what kind of investment am I, are you allowed to make in the brand? Are you going to co-sponsor some of this advertising? There's a lot of stuff that can be worked through. Um, for many brand new brands with very little financing, they do become the seller of record and they take on all the inventory risk themselves, but they also have to do the right things by the brand in terms of building traffic, building product reviews, and so on. I had a quick question, uh, uh, just to clarify about the product reviewers, because that sounds like a really good strategy. Um, you'd mentioned, are the product reviewers buying the product from Amazon, or, or, from, or, or is the manufacturer sending them product? In other words, how does those conversions happen? I wasn't real clear on that. It's a great question. So th there, are, there are black hat ways to do this, and then there are white hat ways to do this. The, the white hat way is these product review groups they, they literally will have a link to one of the Amazon pages. The customer buys the product. It is coming from the Amazon site. It counts as a visit on the Amazon site. It counts as a purchase on the Amazon site. And the product review is then posted on the Amazon site. There are also situations where brands will make units available to the product review groups, freebies, which is not allowed anymore in the product review terms of service for Amazon, but it still happens where brands will make these available. And that's where Amazon has stepped in and done something very clever. They have differentiated between what's called a verified purchase review and a review that doesn't have a verified purchase on it. And they give much more weighting to a review that is from a verified purchase where Amazon can see 
that the unit was actually purchased on Amazon, and then a review was left on that uh, particular purchase. Okay. So let's say, for example, I'm ready to build out that silicone pancake flipper empire. Where do I begin employing these techniques? So you're a brand new brand getting started on Amazon and you're trying to figure out what is the strategy going to be. I think there's three major parts to the, the strategy you need to take. The first one is from day one, get yourself a reseller policy, put it in place and apply it to all of your, your, your partners. So whether you're selling to a brick and mortar partner or whether you're selling to an online partner or whether you are the online seller, have a policy that's in place. Um, it's a unilateral plan that you put in place, a minimum reseller uh, policy or a minimum resale price policy, but you've got to have some kind of policy in place that says not only what the price is, but also who's allowed to sell the product, what the terms are around reselling the product potentially to other sellers. You've got to, you've got to put this kind of plan in place. And there's, there's lots of lawyers who can help you with minimum retail price, minimum uh, advertised price, reseller policies, this kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of folks out there that can help. That's step number one. Now that you've protected yourself in terms of distribution and pricing, you still have a product that nobody's ever heard of. So how do you drive traffic to your product? On Amazon, one of the effective ways to do this is through the Amazon Sponsored Product Program. If you go into Seller Central, which is the interface that sellers have with Amazon, there is a place where you can set up campaigns. And these, these sponsored product campaigns are not difficult to do. And Amazon will actually help you get them set up by helping you identify the right kind of keywords that make sense for your product. And now you're starting to drive traffic to your products artificially. You're essentially buying placement of your products at the top of search. So when customers search for products like yours, if you've bid enough on the ads, your products are gonna show up at the top and people are gonna see your product where they might not otherwise be prepared to scroll down to the 15th page of results to see your product where it otherwise might be. The third approach that I also think is important for new brands is for them to take on product reviews for their products. So the whole product review business is a very, very big industry in Amazon and this focuses specifically on making a certain number of units available to product review groups who will buy the product, review the product, leave you reviews on Amazon, but also help to get some initial sales of your product through those people that are buying the products for the purpose of writing product reviews. So we've talked about the big three areas where a brand can help itself up front. What other option that's worth considering at the very beginning when a, when a brand is evaluating what kind of packaging options they're going to use if there's some level of flexibility that allows them to put lot numbers or to put serial numbers or some sort of unique identifiers on their product, and they can do that from day one because they've got the right packaging partner in place, that's a, that's a really good get out of jail free card that they might need to use somewhere down the road. Yes, this, uh, this customized packaging may cost them a few extra cents, but if they can do it, do it from day one because it allows you to keep track of where product is going, who's selling it, where it came from, and all that kind of good stuff that unfortunately you may need to address if in, find, if in fact you find that your distribution channel is a little bit leaky. So we have a roadmap for success, but are there any ways Amazon itself may end up negatively affecting your business model? So if Amazon decides they want your brand, the, the first party side of the business, that's to say the vendor managers whose job it is to go source the product, after they've exhausted calling on the manufacturer or calling on the distributors of the manufacturer, the vendor managers, some of them will get very creative about finding ways to get the product. Uh, I've had clients who have had to deal with Amazon being the gray market seller. 
being the one that goes and finds the product in the Caribbean, reimports it back into the United States, or goes and approaches one of the, the uh, distributors and basically says, I have a deal you can't refuse. I want to buy everything you have and I'm going to pay you cash right now. And so what ends up happening is, given that Amazon isn't always interested in short-term margins, they will pay whatever it costs to get the product. And in fact, we've seen situations where Amazon will buy the product at, let's say, $100, turn around and sell it at 90, destroy your pricing on Amazon, create all sorts of pricing problems for you in your own brick and mortar channels. And then the, the vendor manager will come back to the brand and say, hey, we can keep playing this game or you can sell directly to us and we can make all this stuff go away immediately. And so now you've got a situation where the very company you don't want to do business with is so big and has so many different sourcing options available to them that they're trying to paint you into a corner where you're basically forced to either sign a deal with them or continue to have to deal with all your brick and mortar partners screaming at you saying, we can't handle you having your product available so much cheaper on Amazon. One of the challenges though with doing business directly with Amazon retail is that in their contract, there's actually a stipulation in there that gives them the right to buy your product at the same price that you're selling it to anybody else. So even if you decide to stop selling product to Amazon, they can contractually hold you to continue selling product to them because you've actually signed that right to them. So what I mean by that is if you decide that, you know, I'm, I don't want to sell to Amazon retail anymore, I'm just going to sell to other companies, Amazon retail can take the contract and say to you, I'm sorry, but you're required to continue to sell these products to us. Now, there's lots of ways to get around that contract and you have to be very creative. But the reality is for many brands, they don't know what it takes to get out of that contract. But they also don't understand the terms that they've agreed to when they first signed that deal with, with Amazon retail. So as brands think about how to first engage with Amazon, it's important to understand that the repercussions of the decisions they make today, those repercussions might be long lasting and create a situation where for better or for worse, they're gonna to continue to be doing business with Amazon retail. So I don't wanna discount what Amazon retail does. They help to bring large quantity of eyeballs to your product. They may help you get a lot of sales, but they also, uh, the, the, the set of incentives they have aren't necessarily around profit maximizing in the short term and driving large quantities of sales. I've seen situations with some of my clients where as Amazon retail approaches the brand and the brand says, yes, I want to do business with you, Amazon will say, I want all of your catalog. I want to be able to sell everything. The brand says, that's great. I've got 100 SKUs in my catalog. Amazon says, great, I'll buy a few units of each to get started. Before you know it, they're selling all the products. A few months later, Amazon says, you know what? We're only going to sell 14 of these products. The other products we're not interested in. So the brand says, okay, well, I, I want all the products on Amazon. I'll have to go find somebody else who will actually carry inventory of these products. They go find a third-party seller or they become the third-party seller. They start selling those other products. They do all the things we've talked around, driving traffic, disproportionate traffic to the products through sponsored products or through product reviews. The sales rank starts to go up. And Amazon retail says, you know what? Thanks for doing all that work. We're now going to start wholesaling the products for those items and um, we'll take it from here. So all that work that you've done to try to prop up the products that Amazon retail wasn't otherwise prepared to do, Amazon retail benefits from all that work and is able to take your cake and eat it. And there's not much you can do about it. So anyways, those are some of the things to think about. 
Um, I will, in, in fairness, I will say that there are some consequences also from being a third-party seller or from working with a third-party seller. Uh, I have, my, my incentives are aligned to tell you specifically that you should sell third-party, um, but there are definitely some good situations where it makes sense for somebody to sell first-party if they're prepared to deal with potential price erosion and instead focus on getting as much share as possible. Well, I do believe we have beat our Amazon business model to death. But before we let you go, I'd like to go in a little bit about your background with the company. And I'm also curious about your Amazon marketing summit you put on. So when I left Amazon three years ago, uh, I had been running this Amazon services business where we would bring in 100,000 sellers each year. And 100,000 sellers is a lot of sellers. It's hard to get all 100,000 of them to be successful. Amazon provides certain types of educational material but the reality is that we still see double-digit failure of those sellers each year. A lot of sellers are leaving the platform either because they're not profitable, they don't understand how Amazon works. Amazon's incentive is not to make them all successful because the reality is if they're not successful, the product gets liquidated and Amazon's able to offer lower costs to customers. So you've got this, this misalignment of incentives where people want to start businesses and be successful online and you've got Amazon this, this big marketplace that offers all sorts of stuff anybody can sell, there's a big gap there in terms of education around how does Amazon actually work. So um, a little over a year ago, after attending far too many conferences where most of the sessions were basically paid sponsorships, somebody with a microphone in their hand telling you that the, the problem you have is solved only by his or her solution, uh, my business partner and I decided that we, we could do better than this. So we founded an organization called The Prosper Show. You can check it out at prospershow.com. It is now the largest uh, continuing education conference in the United States for Amazon sellers. And our approach is one of let's focus on education first and sales second. So how do we get, how do we get sellers into a room sharing best practices and talking about some of the challenges that they face how do we reveal some of this hidden knowledge that exists within different experts' minds? How do we provide that in a broad basis so that many sellers can come and hear what's going on and understand that their thinking may not be quite right or there's some tricks or some ideas that they need to implement in their business so that the right kind of discipline, the right kind of operations can be put in place so that they're no longer sellers getting in and out of Amazon in, in a short term trying to make a quick buck, but rather their companies building established longer term businesses. So uh, we did a Prosper show back in February this year and it was very successful. Uh, we're actually gonna be announcing our next show in March, 2017. And none other than uh, Rick Sassari is going to be our keynote speaker talking around uh, responsible branding, how to be successful in building a brand. Certainly something that I think will resonate with a huge, huge portion of our audience who are very, very interested in building that private label empire, but doing it in a way that's repeatable rather than building that one product, building that next plastic or that silicon, silicon pancake flipper empire. How do you expand it into other things? How, how do you build uh, differentiation that allows you to make above average margins? So this is gonna be a very exciting opportunity for us to continue the discussion with sellers and, and share more best practices bringing together not only very experienced, very seasoned sellers who will talk about some of, the, some of the successes as well as some of the failures they've had, but also bringing industry experts together, folks like Rick and, and a number of other ex-Amazon people 
who will talk about some of the, the key issues that are facing Amazon sellers today. So Stan, my, my day-to-day job is actually working with an organization called Buybox Experts, which is a managed services company. We work with medium to large size brands that are trying to figure out what their Amazon strategy is. And for many of these brands, they, they want the best practices, but they don't actually want to run their business day-to-day. So what my company offers is the actual day-to-day account management of, of brands' third-party businesses. Uh, many of our clients are brand new brands that are growing very quickly, or they're established brands that have never had an online strategy, and we're helping bring them to the online space. And we also have a segment of brands that used to wholesale to Amazon through this first-party relationship, and they got very disgruntled with the way their brand was treated. And so now they've they've moved, they've shifted their plans from 1P to 3P to a third-party space where they are the seller of record, but we actually run that business day-to-day for them. I think that when I look at the the issues around how to have more control over your brand, it would seem that for many brands it's a no-brainer being able to shift to a third-party model. Certainly many of our clients are making 30-40% more money now that they're the seller of record, being able to make retail margins rather than making wholesale margins. But there are nonetheless trade-offs and for each of our clients, or at least each of our prospects, we have that discussion around whether it makes sense for them given all the other types of distribution choices they've made. Well, before we sign off, do you have any recommendations on where people can go to learn more about this vast and expansive world of Amazon? Sure. So uh, Amazon actually has some good materials to help you make that initial choice about what it's going to take in terms of work to get you started on Amazon. You can go to services.amazon.com. That's not only the portal through which you sign up on Amazon, but it also has a lot of material to help you understand some of the overview of what what you're going to need to do as a seller. For many companies, the biggest struggle they face in deciding whether to sell on Amazon is figuring out whether they can handle the day-to-day interactions that they're likely to have with customers. For many brands, there isn't this day-to-day urgency of product development that there would otherwise be in terms of answering calls or emails that come in from customers on Amazon. Amazon holds brands to a very, very high standard and for brands, that, that's going to be the big choice for them around whether they sell on Amazon. A couple of other places that I would encourage people to go to read more about Amazon. Yes, there's an Amazon seller forum. Um, that, that's okay once you're a seller. You can, you can post a few questions and get some insight. Um, I also like the two publications. One is called uh, webretailer.com, and there's another one called practicalecommerce.com. Um, they have a number of articles that are helpful for talking about strategic issues that Amazon sellers face. Um, th- those are certainly some, some very good places for finding, finding content. No, I just want to say thanks. That's a really great information about Amazon, a place if you have a brand, you have to be there, but there's definitely a lot of things you need to know about uh, having a good Amazon strategy and um, really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all the knowledge that you have. Thanks for having me, Rick. Thanks, Stan. Well, that wraps up part two. If you're interested in learning more about Amazon, we'll have a link in the description to a very informative article that James wrote. Make sure to subscribe to Cesare Direct's marketing podcast and follow us on all of Cesare Direct's social media. You can find more episodes of this podcast along with the latest news and insights into the world of direct response on our blog page, cesaredirect.com slash blog. If you have any questions, feel free to post them in the comments below, or if you want to contact us directly, drop us a line to contactus at cesaridirect.com. 
Our theme music was provided by Kevin McLeod of Competech.com and licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. I want to thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.